Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we dive into Travel as a Political Act by noted historian and travel writer Rick Steves. This enlightening read is far from your ordinary travel guide. It's a call to arms for more mindful, immersive explorations of cultures and countries. Steves brings forth a fresh perspective on travel, urging readers to cast aside their preconceptions and fully embrace the journey of discovering the world. Published in 2009 and updated in 2018, the book offers practical advice for intelligent globetrotting, interspersed with captivating anecdotes from Steves' own travels. A seasoned overseas explorer with numerous travel books under his belt, Rick Steves is also known for guiding aspiring wanderers on the logistics of their journeys, helping them make the most out of their voyages. Travel as a Political Act promises to be a rewarding read for avid globetrotters, sociologists, political science students, and anyone seeking to broaden their horizons through the transformative power of travel. Travel as a Political Act, Change the World One Trip at a Time. Introduction. Discover the transformative power of travel from the perspective of Rick Steves. Let's start this off with a fact. Psychological studies have repeatedly proven that even if you're feeling low, forcing yourself to smile can actually lighten your mood. Now, let's push this concept a little further. You've heard the saying, when in Rome do as the Romans do, haven't you? What if we told you that the real essence of travel isn't just about blending in, but truly immersing yourself in the local experience, feeling, observing, and understanding the pulse of the people and their culture. This is the principle that celebrated travel writer and historian Rick Steves staunchly abides by. Lounging by the pool with a cocktail in hand or basking lazily under the sun may be great for unwinding, but according to Steves, nothing beats the thrill of seeing the world from a unique, unfamiliar perspective. So. What's the secret to achieving this shift in perspective? It all starts with your mindset. As we navigate through this insightful account of Steve's travels through the Balkans, Central America, and the Middle East, you'll discover that keeping an open mind and challenging your preconceptions and fears is paramount in truly understanding the heart of the places you visit. Prepare to delve into fascinating accounts of travel and introspection. You'll learn about what we can glean about modern-day travel from the jesters of the Middle Ages, the surprising disparity between political rhetoric and the perspectives of everyday people, and how deep diving into a nation's past can shed light on its present circumstances. Part 1. Embrace the spirit of a medieval jester to enrich your travel encounters. Sure, all-inclusive vacation packages with their cozy cocktails by the pool and pre-planned entertainment are great when you just want to kick back and relax. However, if you truly wish to immerse yourself in a new culture and gain insights into the soul of a foreign land, it requires stepping out of your comfort zone, leaving the confines of your hotel, and exploring. So, how can you revamp your approach to travel? The answer might surprise you. Adopt the mindset of a medieval jester. Despite being popularly seen as mere fools or clowns, jesters, during the Middle Ages, played a critical role in bridging the gap between the royal court and the common folks. Positioned between both these worlds, 
They provided the king with invaluable insights into the thoughts, jokes, grievances, and passions stirring among his subjects. Whether the townsfolk were complaining about a tax hike or simply jesting about the king's speech impediment, the jester was the king's key to the pulse of his kingdom. When you travel, consider yourself akin to these jesters. As a visitor to a new place, your task is to collect valuable insights from your experiences not just for yourself, but to share and enlighten your folks back home. You might travel to Iran and learn how fear of westernized materialism drives some locales to adhere strictly to religious doctrines. Or perhaps during your journey through El Salvador, you'll discover that the dream of possessing a Porsche and a fancy villa isn't universal. However, to gather these valuable insights, it's crucial to approach your travels with an open mind. You're out there to broaden your horizons, to have your beliefs and preconceptions tested. Embrace the challenges, from trying out an alien cuisine or striking a conversation with a local, to stepping out for an activity you wouldn't usually consider. Because at the end of the day, travel is all about learning to view the world from different perspectives. It's about embracing the unfamiliar. Part 2 Shedding Preconceived Notions to Truly Engage with Foreign Locales We all know that the French don't only eat snails, and that not all Russians are vodka-guzzling enthusiasts, yet such stereotypes have a persistent hold on our imaginations. Such preconceptions, however benign or outrageous, can obstruct open-minded exploration of new places and cultures. So, it's high time to bid them goodbye. Many assumptions about foreign locales are subtler than these stereotypes, yet their insidious influence can significantly colour our perceptions of unfamiliar places. The author himself admits to once considering Europeans as pretentious connoisseurs overly attached to their cheese and wine. It took several journeys across Europe to realise that this was a gross oversimplification. The locals were not showing off, but merely expressing pride in their unique traditions and heritage. Often, these biases are born out of fear of the unknown. It's natural to feel trepidation when venturing into unfamiliar territories. However, it's crucial to distinguish between rational apprehensions and the baseless fears often propagated by politicians with ulterior motives. Whether it's painting all illegal immigrants as potential threats to justify building a border wall, or exaggerating the menace of drug cartels to bolster weapon sales to Colombia, such fears are often far from reality. The most effective antidote to these stereotypes? Direct interactions with locals. Often you'll find that they're eager to present their country and culture, dismissing harmful preconceptions. Steve's experienced this firsthand during his visit to Ireland's Gaeltachtai, regions where the Irish language thrives. The locals were thrilled to encounter a traveller genuinely interested in their distinct culture. It's a universal sentiment. You'd probably feel the same way if a visitor showed genuine interest in your culture, wouldn't you? Having laid out an approach to open-minded travel, let's delve into the remarkable insights such experiences can yield. Part 3 Unraveling the intricate tapestry of the Balkan Peninsula and its historical legacy. The sprawling Balkan Peninsula, ensconced in the southeast corner of Europe, 
is a kaleidoscope of historical and cultural narratives. Extending from Hungary in the north down to Greece in the south, this geographical entity encompasses several countries that were once part of the now-defunct Yugoslavia, including Croatia, Serbia and Bosnia-Herzegovina. Formed in 1918 and disbanded in 1991, Yugoslavia was a melting pot of diverse South Slavic ethnic groups unified by a common ancestry. This shared heritage is reflected in the linguistic landscape of the region. The languages of the former Yugoslavian countries, Croatian, Serbian, and Bosnian, bear striking resemblances to each other. During Yugoslavia's existence, these languages were collectively referred to as Serbo-Croatian. Post-disbandment, these languages have evolved along distinct paths, reinforcing their individual identities. However, it's not the language, but religion that draws the firmest lines among South Slavs. Orthodox Christians are Serbs, Catholics are Croats, and Muslims are Bosniaks. The rich and complex history of these countries can be seen in Bosnia-Herzegovina. For instance, you can witness the puzzling autonomy of Republika Srpska and the symbolism of the flags of Trebinje. Despite being an independent country, Bosnia-Herzegovina ceded some authority to Republika Srpska, a region primarily inhabited by Orthodox Serbs, as per a peace treaty in 1995. The city of Trebinje, situated in this region, witnesses a unique, subtle communication of its complex political landscape through the symbolism of flags. The Croats proudly display their red and white checkered flag, while the Serbs hoist a flag adorned with a cross and four seas, representing Serbija, the Cyrillic word for Serbia. This ostensible display of cultural pride is often a source of tension, as each community views the other's flag as a symbol of an oppressive regime. For some, these rival flags evoke as much discomfort as the sight of a swastika, a symbol infamously associated with the Nazis. Part 4 El Salvador's Journey A fascinating tale of colonial exploitation and civil unrest tucked away in Central America is the enchanting Republic of El Salvador. Its name translates to the Savior in Spanish, an imprint left by the Christian Spaniards who conquered the land in 1524, displacing its indigenous inhabitants. This relic of colonialism is etched deep into the nation's identity and is the first thing that greets you when you journey to El Salvador. Even today, the repercussions of colonial rule linger on, casting a shadow over the lives of indigenous people. The Spanish conqueror's relentless march led to the mass slaughter of natives, decimating entire villages in their wake. Survivors were subjected to the indignity of enslavement, branded with hot irons like mere cattle. Stripped of their right to cultivate their native crops, they were compelled to yield cash crops, such as indigo and coffee, for the profiteering colonists. Christianity was simultaneously introduced and promoted as the sole acceptable religion. Priests peddled the narrative that salvation lay in obedience to their masters, further disempowering the oppressed. The shackles of subservience didn't loosen even post the country's independence in 1821. The descendants of Spanish colonists continued to wield control, now without the burden of paying taxes to the Spanish crown. 
the 20th century witnessed an unanticipated challenger to this legacy of exploitation, Archbishop Oscar Romero. Ascending to the position of Archbishop in 1977, Romero was assumed to be a protector of the right-wing elite's interests, thanks to his perceived conservative leanings. The underprivileged were expecting yet another round of sermons espousing obedience. However, Romero defied these expectations, championing the cause of the poor and openly denouncing their exploitation. This was during the era of liberation theology, a radical movement that advocated for the church to champion the rights of the underprivileged. Advocates of this revolutionary viewpoint had often been silenced through violence, and Romero, who shared this viewpoint, was assassinated in 1980, a fate shared by dozens attending his funeral. These tragic incidents sparked a ferocious civil war between left-wing guerrillas and the U.S.-backed government, a conflict that continued until 1992. Part 5. Europe's nuanced approach to drug policies sets it apart from America. Consider the question, how should society combat drug abuse? Responses to this crucial question diverge significantly between Europe and the United States. Both regions recognize the perils of addiction to hard drugs such as heroin and soft drugs, including alcohol and marijuana. Yet, their strategies to address these issues diverge sharply. In America, the war on drugs, a stringent policy instituted in the 1970s, continues to reign. However, European countries offer a more complex, nuanced response. Countries like Iceland and Greece firmly enforce laws against marijuana use, echoing the hardline stance of the United States. On the other hand, some European nations adopt a softer approach. In the Netherlands, even though marijuana use is technically illegal, it's rarely enforced. The Dutch community believes that imprisoning individuals for using a soft drug escalates the problem rather than resolving it. The only condition is that marijuana use should not harm others. While approaches to marijuana use vary across European nations, a shared perspective emerges when it comes to hard drugs. The vast majority of these countries view prevention and education as more effective tools than incarceration. They perceive drug abuse primarily as a health crisis rather than a criminal issue. This perspective has birthed several innovative policy approaches. Take Switzerland, for instance, where public restrooms are installed with special blue lights. These lights complicate the process of locating veins for injecting drugs. In addition to this deterrent, the Swiss government also provides clean syringes. This isn't an endorsement of drug use. Instead, it's a pragmatic response to the reality that sharing unclean needles leads to the spread of HIV and AIDS, rather than drug use in itself. Part 6. Experiencing Iran firsthand shatters common misconceptions and reveals a complex reality. Steves first encountered the intricacies of Iranian culture in 1978. When he revisited Iran in 2008, he was armed with some fundamental facts. He knew it was home to 70 million people and stood as one of the Middle East's most formidable states. However, he was unprepared for the striking transformation the country had undergone since his last visit. The year after his initial trip, Iran was shaken by the Islamic Revolution. In 1979, Ayatollah Ruhollah Khomeini, 
the spiritual pillar of Iran, returned from his exile to topple the U.S.-supported monarchy of Mohammad Reza Shah Pahlavi, popularly known as the Shah. When Steve's revisited, signs of this dramatic upheaval were visible everywhere. Streets once named after Shah had been rechristened Khomeini, and Khomeini's portrait had replaced Shah's on the country's banknotes. The reins of power had also changed hands. By 2008, Iran had an elected president, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. However, the real source of authority wasn't the president, but the supreme leader, a religious cleric. After Khomeini's death in 1989, this role was assumed by Ali Khamenei. Officially, Iran regards the U.S. as its enemy. This sentiment is palpable in the numerous anti-American murals and posters emblazoned with death to America spread across Tehran, the capital city. During Steve's visit, this hardline rhetoric was amplified by President Ahmadinejad, whose fiery speeches responded in kind to the aggressive stance of U.S. politicians such as John McCain and Hillary Clinton towards Iran. Yet, in contrast to the government's hostile stance, Steve's was welcomed by ordinary Iranians with warmth and curiosity. This partly stems from a traditional Iranian ethos which views every traveler as a gift from God. Steve's was greeted with friendly smiles and intrigued questions, creating a stark contrast to the hostility he'd observed on billboards. This discrepancy was initially jarring, but he soon arrived at a critical realization. The fiery rhetoric of politicians seldom mirrors the thoughts and behaviors of everyday citizens. Final Summary The central theme of this discussion Travel is essentially an exploration into the heart and soul of different cultures and societies. A quest to decode what drives their beliefs, values, and behaviors. This journey calls for open-mindedness and a readiness to step out of one's comfort zones. The prize. An authentic and nuanced understanding of life in different corners of the world. A stark contrast to the oversimplified and distorted narratives often presented by the media and political leaders. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then. Happy reading and happy listening.